Good morning. It is 934. Joining me now, our good friend, Master Gardener, Barb Lampson. Barb Lampson, how are you? It's a beautiful, beautiful day to be outside. You know, it is, and I've been out, and I did some deadheading outside early this morning. And the big news is the soil temperature is 73 degrees. 73? Really? Yes, it is. So Ooh. after I get off the phone, I am going up to my garden I am now planting my tomatoes and peppers and cucumbers. So they all love warm soil. They get off to a much better start if they're consistently in that warm uh, soil. And, you know, if you do that right, you'll have healthier plants and they're more able to resist uh, disease. And even if they are attacked by insects, if they're a healthy plant, they'll be able to overcome that. So it's worth waiting, but I'm very, very excited about doing that today. Well, now, I did put mine in over the Memorial Day, which was it was pretty warm then, too. And I've also put in my cannas because the cannas, they like the heat as well. So they are actually, within a couple days, boom, They I had them started in pots, and they were just barely peeking out of the soil. But once I put them in the ground last weekend, I mean, they're already popping because, like you said, well, they like that warm soil. And so I would say it's pretty safe that we're not going to have another freeze again that, you know, pretty much anything you can stick out now. But make sure you harden them off. I think it's so easy to go into the, the greenhouse, and they look so great, and... Yeah. Or, or not even the greenhouse, any, a big box store, and you see them and then you say, I'll just throw it in the ground. And then you're disappointed when it doesn't look so good. Well, because it can't take that shock. So I know I've been gradu- gradually hardening off Grant's lilies because they've been in the inside under lights, you know, where it's nice and warm. And so I've put them out kind of in the shady entry area and I'm moving them out a little bit so they get a little more sun. Otherwise, they'll they'll get the sun scald and they'll just look terrible and the wind will, will get them. So, yeah, just yeah. keep that in mind. <clears throat> this, this has been a problem for people, too, who have looked for tomatoes or they've looked for cucumbers or pumpkins or anything that are started and the um, stores that handle them were sold out, so they waited for another shipment. And then w- when you get them, you think, well, gee, it's getting late. I, I don't have time to harden them mm-hmm. off. But actually you do. You know, uh, cucumbers only take 62 days to maturity. So, And they're started in their little pots. So it isn't, you know, it isn't really that we have to rush. But I do know that people are busy and um, that you buy you buy your plants maybe on the weekend yep. and you have you haven't got time to do it later on in the week you have to get it in then so one thing you can do of course is you should prep your soil you you should have it worked up and put in some mulch and if if you can put down some black plastic the soil will heat up it will warm up uh more there so so that's one way to take care of that too and then, of course, um, you know, any if you have a soil test, it'll let you know if you need um, if you're short on uh, on organics in your soil. Um, it, it's a good idea to to find that out because if you can put in some um, organic mulch into your soil, it will hold on to uh, your fertilizer better. It won't be washing through, and it will distributed better the plant will be better able to use it so those are good things you know another thing about tomatoes now i always like to put on the cages when i plant the tomatoes it's just 
you can just it's just too easy for the tomato to start growing and then you're going to fit this this hoop over it and it's easy to damage the plant so i do that all in, in, in the same day well barb do you know what i did with mine because i got mine from harvey and, and they're very long and leggy looking and the, the thing about tomatoes is that you can plant them very deep so i just pinched off uh on that long because it's very tall some yes. of the the stems and then put so there was the top three they had little branches and then i dug it probably oh at least 12 inches down because it was very tall and then i put the cage around it and then what i did is i i took an old rug and i close put clothespins around that rug around the tomato to protect it a little bit from the wind and uh, the sun scald. So I just gave it for just a just a few days, uh, just a little chance to kind of acclimate a little bit out there. And uh, I took it off, and it's looking very, very nice. Well, you know, last year when we got our uh, tomato berries from Harvey, they were so tall <laughs> that there wasn't any way that I could dig a hole deep enough to sink it down in. So I laid it down on its side. I took off the branches that were lower down. Mm-hmm. I I marked where the root was going to be. I laid it down in the side in a trench, and then I gently brought it up. And do you know that uh, those tomato berries, they had hundreds, hundreds of tomatoes. Oh, out of- yes. those They did amazing last year. Yeah. The thing about the tomato, it's the only plant that does this. When you bury the stem along the edges, it develops new roots. Now you've got... Not only the roots at the base, but all along the side, you've got these new roots coming in, and then that's what gives it this extra vigor. The only thing was, with something like that, you can't plant anything else on top of where you had that trench, or you will sever those roots. Right. So, and so, and but the tomatoes actually need quite a wide birth in terms of growing anyway I mean really they get so big and they do talk about pruning tomatoes so at some point you can prune them so instead of you know so many branches you'll prune them off and then more energy will go to producing maybe bigger fruits and you know there's only so many tomatoes I can use so for me that's a a It's a a great thing to do. The other thing is you can just hand pick some of the blossoms if you're not going to use hundreds of tomatoes just go in and hand pick those off yeah and then leave the, some choice ones on, you'll get earlier, bigger tomatoes that way, too. So that's a good thing. Hey, talking about earlier, bigger, guess what? I was up to good counsel yesterday yes. and uncovered the strawberries, and they have green berries on them now. Oh, wonderful. I'm, I'm so excited. You know, these strawberries were given to me by a farmer friend who the family had had this variety for years and years and years and years. It came from the, the grandmother. And they are such a great berry. They're, they're very healthy. Uh, I just, I, I just, I'm just, I just feel so fortunate to have them. And last year, once, you know, they have the runners. And if you let all these runners grow, um, pretty soon you're going to be raising smaller berries. So it's a good idea to get some of those runners out of there and start a row someplace else. And I did that. And so that's about 20 feet away from the original spot where I have them planted. And in there now, they're looking just absolutely great, too. And so they were planted in last fall, and they were in early enough so that uh, they got a good start. 
and now they have the green berries on them too. I'm really, really happy about that. And uh, and I also put down mulch. It's with strawberries. If the strawberries lay on the soil, you it it affects them. They can start rotting. So you want to either have um, mulched up hay, clean hay, or straw, or grass, or leaves. Something that you put down as a barrier between uh, where the uh, strawberry is going to be so that it doesn't rot like that. And this is one time when it's, you can't really put down landscape cloth because you also want the berries. The mother plant is going to be running, and she needs to be able to anchor her little uh, new little baby there someplace so you can't put down a landscape cloth. That doesn't work as well. Now, Barb, with strawberries, have you found, I know the mother puts down little runners, and then you get little babies, and pretty soon it gets pretty thick, and it seems to me if you've got, they get too thick, they don't produce as well. And so mm-hmm. some people will say like, well, my berries used to just do such so wonderful and make so many berries, but now they don't. And that could be a problem. So I don't, how often do you thin yours out or should people thin them out? I'm not a berry grower, so I'm not an expert on this. So you have to start right away because if the plant is in good soil and it, it's in the right place so that it's getting sunshine, they need mm-hmm. full sunshine, they need an inch of rain a week. So if you've got healthy conditions there, they're just going to be putting out numerous runners, and you just cut these off. Now, um, when I was up there about two weeks ago, the mother plants were making new runners going all around, and the nuns were up at Good Council, and they were gardening too. So I asked them if they wanted some some baby strawberry plants, and, and they said, well, yes, yes, we will, and we'll plant them by our house. So we're sure to get berries, even though I can watch them a little easier that way. And so so they took some. But if you can't find someone to give them to, uh, then I guess you just have to put them in the compost pile. But that is part of, you know, just you just have to bite the bullet and say, you know, we just can't have that many strawberries here. We'll have nothing. And if you let your row get really wide, you're unable to get in and pick them, too, with step, without stepping on things. So, so do that. And handweed, even though we have these um, covers on them, these net covers on all the uh, strawberries, um, we take them off, and then I just quack will get under there. And if you're not watching, if you're not vigilant, boy, quack can, you know, it it runs under the soil. It's just, and then it sprouts up, and then when you start digging that root up, it's going horizontally, and it started a bunch of new roots so they can put a bunch of plants down. And there's nothing worse than trying to dig, dig quack out of a strawberry bed. That can be really a problem. So stay on that, you know, watch for it and uh, and get those out. And uh, it won't be long. I would say in 10 days, if it's warm like this, 7 to 10 days, I should have red strawberries. Well, that's awesome. I know I've been watching my raspberries, and they're looking pretty good. Um, I always cut down the dead canes and have been watching them, but I know that I will get that infestation of, oh, I forget the name of it, but what happens is there's this little fly that it deposits its its eggs in your berries, and then they hatch, and basically you get these little worms in your berries. So uh, that's one thing I'm going to have to keep an eye on, and I also cover my berries 
with uh, nets like you do your strawberries to prevent the birds from eating them all. So just little things you have to keep in mind. I did put some uh, sulfur fertilizer around the raspberries. They like a little more acidic. So I did that to help them, you know, maybe get a little bit of more uh, production for the berries, but uh, something I'm looking forward to. You know, the raspberries are looking great. They have really loved this uh, wet weather that we've had. But uh, I, too, I have to get down on my hands and knees and crawl around in there and pull out weeds because uh, it's so easy for the birds to get in there and to um, eat and drop their um, their pooping and, and their seeds and then new weeds coming in. So you always have to watch that. I do mulch them, um, and I also side-dress them with my good organic uh, compost this spring. And, I mean, they're, they're looking really great. We have aluminum posts up in our raspberry bed, and those are permanent. And so then we have the white netting that when they start uh, uh, getting ready to uh, develop fruit, we put the netting over it. And then the birds are very clever. They will sometimes fall, fly under the netting, even though we have a draping <laughs> on the side. So oh, Mrs. Dear. J, who loves... Um, to bake pies, she buys them made up and they're in aluminum pans. She saves those aluminum pans for me. And then I put up a rope and I make a hole in the pan and I put a a string on it and I tie those up. So I have about 12 of those up at a time and they clang in there and they get very shiny and then that that keeps the birds out of there. So that that's one thing that you can do to keep the birds out, even though you've got the netting on. So uh, things, you know, they love to eat uh, 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 things that are fresh and juicy and delicious. So we, just like us, <laughs> yeah, just like us. You know, I had a question um, about radishes, and I have absolutely fallen in love with radishes. I, I don't know. As a kid, I I always thought it was. You know, trying to thin them, it was always a big job in the garden, and Mom loved radishes. But as an adult now, I really appreciate homegrown radishes. And very often you'll see that the radish leaf, it gets little spots on it. And this person was concerned about that. Well, that's the radish uh, flea beetle. And that does not damage the fruit that's in the ground, the vegetable itself. It's it's unsightly. It's mostly aesthetic. Does it bother and, other things, too? Because I've noticed that, too, and I never really thought about it because it never affected the fruit. So I just thought, eh, okay. Yeah, right. But the only thing I would say is if once you pull your radish out and the tops, I wouldn't put them in my compost pile. Oh, sure. Because there's probably lots of little eggs on there, and it could lay in there. And if it's not the hot, if your compost pile isn't hot enough, they won't be destroyed, and then you could spread them. So things have a way of surviving on their own. So uh, I would say that should go into um, uh, the the garbage, which you consider the garbage, which you take to Third Avenue or wherever you're taking it. So. Don't worry about it. Uh, And then the other thing about radishes is, I noticed this up at Good Council. People want to plant the whole package in a small row. Oh, yes. (laughs) And they're 
I used to do that too, Barb, because I'm like, well, why would they give you a whole package of all these seeds if you weren't supposed to plant them all? Especially, right. and you think about carrots, where and it says, well, you can plant a 100 foot row. Well, who's? I mean, some people do, but who? Most people don't have room for 100 feet, but you don't want it to go the way. So I know what you're talking about. Yep, yep. That 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 used to be my problem too. And then you sit and you try to uh, thin them out, and you thin too too many come at a time. You know, they cling together. It's just a, but uh, if you can just uh, just put take so many seeds and and uh, only plant a few of them, even if you you can save the package if you put it in a dry cool place. Um, I save radish seeds from year to year, and I've never had a problem with germination. So uh, just kind of. Uh, think about that. You don't. You don't need to do that. It'll be much easier. You'll get much nicer radishes. And the other thing is, radishes take about thirty-two days from the time you plant them till you can start harvesting. They come ripe at the same time. They're ready to be picked. So you're picking that whole crop. So if you put in uh, eight feet of radishes, you're going to end up harvesting eight feet at the same time. <laughs> That's a lot to eat in one sitting. <laughs> but here's the thing. You clip the tops off, um, and you wash them and put them in a, a container that's uh, like a plastic container in your refrigerator. They, as long as they're dry, don't put them in there wet. They will last uh, two to three weeks. Oh. And so that you can space them out. You can make lots of salads. You know, you can even fry them. And Really? Uh, fry? Yeah, yeah, you can fry them. As a matter of fact, we have people up the garden that... that that's, they don't eat them raw, they oh, fry them. Okay. And they're very good. They have, they're a little peppery. You'd be anything that where you wanted to, well, you could even fry them and put them on your hamburgers, they'd be great. Or, or you could fry them with, uh, with eggs if you wanted to, if you want a little peppery taste in there. So, so try that. Just, um, well, Barb, with all my radish seeds, what I, what I do is sometimes when I'll pick one out, I'll, I'll add a few more seeds so I just have a continuous crop that keeps coming. You know, and, and at some yeah. point, though, when it gets warmer, they don't do as well because they don't form uh, as well right. of, of the, the bulbs in the bottom. But, you know, it's something to extend, extend your season as well. And plus, this season, uh, I have a friend of the family, uh, Mary, who, who bought a, a raised garden bed like, like I have, and she was going to do a garden. And I said, well, gosh, I've got all these seeds that, you know, I only use part of the pack. So that's what I did. I just gave her what was left in mine, and she planted in hers. So that's another way to to share. Yeah, that, that's true. That's a great way to do that. And, you know, a lot of times if we have something extra, especially extra plants, we'll take them up to the barn, which is, you know, the, the nun's original dairy barn there, mm-hmm. and we'll put things there, and people will come and get them. So uh, that's nice. We, we, we can put up free plants uh, just anything like that. And for someone else, um, maybe they couldn't find it at the store, and now you'll get a chance to get that. So that really is a, a good way to use up things, too. Seeds are uh, comparatively cheap for what you get. I oh, mean, absolutely. Well, you know, this year I wasn't sure if our friend Harvey was going to grow the yum-yum peppers, and that's one of my favorites, absolute mm-hmm. favorites. And so I ended up ordering some plants from a company and just got them yesterday. They were horrible. All they were was little sticks. Uh, all the leaves had died on them. They're not going to make it. And so, I mean, I'm going to obviously write back to get my money. But see, that's one of the things about uh, varieties. The the 
uh, reason to plant seeds. If you want a certain variety, you really need to start them yourself because those special ones they just don't carry in most places. But I'm ending up, thank goodness Harvey had done some, so I was just going to have extra because I did get those mail order ones. And generally they don't do well. I've had some good luck, but... You you know go to your local nurseries. Although now, Barb, I don't know if you've been there lately because I was going to go out and start planting some of my annuals around my mailbox that I do the Vista Supertunias, and they are pretty much all sold out. I, I'm not surprised. People are really gardening. Yes, they're. I think they're finding the benefit of you know planting something, watching it grow, taking pride in that. And you know, every morning when I get up, I run outside. To see what's doing the blooming. Now, most of these things are the perennials. And I tell you what, the iris have not disappointed me. Every morning there's something that's you can see the color coming on the bud, and the next morning it's fully open. Oh, my goodness. They may not last a long time, but they sure are beautiful. Just so beautiful. Did you do a count of how many blo- things are blossoming in your yard? I noticed on the Master Gardener listserv, somebody was commenting on on how many things are blossoming. I don't know if you remember a few years back, somebody on Facebook had put, they had these free plants in the yard. They just wanted somebody to come and dig up. And I thought, oh, free plants. Okay. Well, they had a beautiful tree peony. And I saw that and I said, well, I'll take this one. So I dug it up and they have kind of a deeper taproot. So I, it was hard to dig. And this is the third year I've had it. And this is the first year it has so many blooms on it. It is so beautiful. You know, if you buy those in the store, they're like 50 bucks. So, I mean, the fact that I had to wait a few years to get some flowers, it was all worth it. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the truth. That's so true of, of many plants. You get them and you think, well, next year, yeah, this is going to be really nice. And the plant is adjusting. It's growing a bigger root. It's, you know, it has to develop those, the stems and the leaves so that it can do the photosynthesis and give you those flowers. So you have to be a little bit patient with, with some perennials, but it's worth it. I was going to remind people, too, that with iris, uh, we don't want to let them go to seed. Once they get done blooming, you can either snap off that scent bloom or you can take a little scissor out with you and clip that off. Just get rid of that so that it doesn't develop that big seed bud because that really does cost the plant a lot of, of energy and nutrition that it won't have for next year's blooms. So every day, check those out. It's not a lot of work. And the same is true for um, our spring bulbs. The grape hyacinth, they're done now, and I have them scattered throughout my garden. So I have to go searching for them because I don't want them to go to seed either. I want them to just get busy. It's a very short time before they die now, so they need to, all this time they've got to make energy for next year's blooms. So deadheading is an important part of what a gardener does, and when you're doing that, you can be checking for weeds. You can be looking for insects. I hope it's going to be a long time before we start getting Japanese beetles. But when they come, they come <laughs> in out. force. Yeah, I, yeah, they're they're going to be here, Barb. I and mean, there's just there's just no way around it. We're going to be fighting them because I mean it's just been something. The one thing that I, I noticed, Shane, our extension agent, posted on our Master Gardener's uh, 
Facebook, something about, you know, the lawn services saying they're going to do all these services. One thing that he says, you know, gets him and angers me too, is they say, oh, well, we'll treat for grubs. And you don't treat for the grubs in the spring. That's not the way to do it. So, you know, make sure you you educate yourself about are you really needing this service? And that's uh, one thing that, that's still out there. They'll say, you need this, this, and this. And it was interesting to see where I had neighbors who did lawn service, and they're immediately their lawns greened up and look beautiful. I used the slow-release uh, malorganite, which is an organic, and it's more slow-release. And while mine didn't green up immediately, it's beautiful now. It's just, like you said, more slow-release. So, you know, it, it, you don't have to. I guess it's instant gratification that some people want, though. All right. You know, just misinformation, just not understanding the importance of what's going on underground with the microorganisms and what they need. And every time you put poisons on, Mm -hmm. things like that, you're damaging that whole system. You're destroying a whole system. Yesterday, I felt very privileged. Um, You know, our good friend Barb Maher has a dog uh, and a tunic. And I had told her before when Tunic came to visit, if she ever needs someone to babysit, I would be glad to have Tunic. So I I got to babysit Tunic for four hours (laughs) yesterday. And she came in and she rolls. She lays on the grass and she just rolls in it. She rolls around and rolls around. And, you know, she knows that that's healthy. There's, There's no chemicals on that. And she just, she just, so much enjoyed that and then it was really interesting i had started some um uh, violet condensus which is that white canadian violet up by the house and i had watered that in and i was in the back of the yard and i was i was doing some weeding and things and i was trying to keep an eye on her even though the yard is fenced and i couldn't see her and i came up and there she had dug that up and she was rolling in that so it must have been nice and cool, and so I got her cleaned up again, and then she went back to playing in the yard. But what a fun thing to have a, a puppy there and and to see them interacting with the environment. And, and that's what I find with uh, uh, the robins. The robins are out and on the yard, and they're plucking out angleworms. And, and Grubs, I hope. <laughs> did you know that an angle that a robin eats um, what, if you measured it in length, would be 14 feet of angleworms a day. Wow, that's a lot of worms. Yuck. My neighbor just told me that. So I thought, wow, 14 feet, that's that's a lot of anything. But maybe they're feeding babies with them. Who knows? (laughs) I've been um, working on my lakeshore pollinator garden and so I've been removing turf let me tell you Barb that is one of the most difficult things that you can imagine is just to remove a bunch of turf but I'm so excited I'm um, in the first week in June I'm supposed to get my two kits with pollinator plants um, already I've noticed so many pollinators out there because I've been planting for them and especially to preserve the rusty patch bumblebee because if we don't have the pollinators we don't have crops so i've been down at the lake shore the soil looks actually very very good it's it's not too wet it's not too dry I, so far things have been going good and uh, so i'm going to be talking about that and some things we can do with pollinators coming up in in our upcoming shows as well you know karen that so interesting with the pollinators you know that that uh, saying if you plant them, they will come. 
And they do. How yes. do they find these places? I wondered the same thing because it's the same with birds. When you put out a, a bird feeder or a hummingbird a nectar feeder and all of a sudden you said, how do they know it was here? Yeah, good question. Yeah. I have to say, David just um, was listening to what we were talking about and he said, I think that's 14 inches of Oh. Earthworms a day. <laughs> I don't. I you should four, check that out. Maybe I, uh, I gotta. Ch- I gotta check that out. Yeah, yes. I was gonna say fourteen feet sounds like an awful lot. It sounds like you know if I had that many worms in a row, fourteen feet would. Uh, yeah. that'd be bigger than the robin. Let's 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 have you do a little work on that. How's that? I'm gonna sound? do it, and we will talk about that again. Yes, I'd be interested to know too. But at any rate, it's lovely to, to see them come in and to know that it's safe for them. I mean. That's our responsibility. We have to protect them. They can't do that themselves. So that's our responsibility to do that and make sure that everything is healthy and that uh, things are working with the environment and, and, and are safe and we pass on clean air and clean water for the future generations. Tell you what, we are out of time and I bet you I know what you're going to be doing this weekend. Huh. Yep, I'll be up at the garden. I'll be planting. Me too. Well, you have a great weekend, Barb. I will let you go, and we will uh, talk to you next week, okay? Okay. Thanks, Karen. Yep, bye-bye. It is three minutes past ten. You are listening to a Minnesota Morning.